This episode is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. Inspired by actual events, the series tells the story of Truman Capote and the women he betrayed. The original housewives, they were society's most elite women, rich, glamorous socialites who defined a bygone era of high society New York. From creator Ryan Murphy, this drama series features an all-star cast, including Naomi Watts, Demi Moore, and Diane Lane. FX's Feud premieres January 31st on FX Stream on Hulu. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi there, C-Note here. Uh, I wanted to, first of all, make reference to the last video I posted. I talked all about what my sort of emerging vision is for doing this mental wellness work. And uh, you can get a little bit more detail about what's going on there. I talk about this kind of four-quadrant idea of interior uh, individual, exterior individual, exterior collective, and interior collective, and helping people find sort of direction and purpose through an interconnected affiliate and referral web of like coaches, consultants, mentors, therapists, and personality profilers and personality uh, uh, trained coaches. And um, so I didn't really talk about what I offer. And part of what I would like to offer is, yes, being a junction box to be able to point people in those directions. But the people who would come to me are those who are diagnostically stuck like there's this stuckness in your life you don't have a certain sense of direction or maybe no permission to leave a space or leave a situation or leave a job or leave a marriage or uh or trying to fine-tune like how to calibrate those situations from an individual level like what is going on with my thinking maybe you're dealing with internal confusions and you have a lot of fits and starts right like not really sure where to go next or you have like a sudden confidence and then a pullback you know I deal with that all the time uh, and it's a real challenge to find clear direction of what to even try and do because I recognize myself getting very much caught up in uh, the shoulds of it all like what should I do next like as if there's a absolute correct answer that I need to get into and do the next thing right uh, you might hear the bells in the background of the church. That's <laughs> pretty much right there. Uh, that's the signaling that it is noon. And I should have known better when I started recording this, but I'm going to keep going. So enjoy some bells in the background if you can hear it. Um, uh, and it's going to distract me. <laughs> but um, uh, but that's the main idea. If you're dealing with some confusions and some fits and starts and not really sure where to go next, there's kind of two directions of working with me. One is literally doing personality profiling where I will ask you questions, interview you, and we will figure out your Myers-Briggs personality type and sort of share some insights you validate through this interview whether or not the information resonates with you. Uh, so it's not me telling you your personality type, it's you reflecting back to me yes that resonates no that doesn't resonate and then we fine-tune and calibrate and try to find what does resonate and then from there I do an explanation which is uh, being able to provide uh, a little bit more depth material and insight into understanding the codified nature of personality types so you can have reference points in your mind 
And uh, so if that's like a direction you want to go in, that's something we could do together. Just send me a message and we can figure out how to start working together around that. And then, um, and then the other side is like not needing to go down the personality route. Like I can, I have such a, I have an interdependence with personality types that I can reference it in my own mind, but I don't need to like teach you it. Right. And that's not the thing. I'm not teaching you personality types. It's just a, a personal reference point or using it as a personal reference point. So, you know, we could just jump into a diagnostic session basically of telling me a little bit about your story, telling me where you are, telling me what your thought processes are, what you're stuck in, what's, you know, what you're looping around. And then uh, I can help you, you know, kind of suss out where the stuck point is and then, you know, try some things to go forward. And the stuck point could be multiple things. It could be like uh, a false dichotomy in our own thinking. It could be something related to uh, a person who is maybe influencing our thinking, uh, our culture. It could be something related to uh, maybe a lie we keep telling ourselves or a story we keep telling ourselves that's not true and that we just keep believing because it maybe keeps us in a certain place. Like we can have secondary benefits from feeling small or feeling less than or uh, having an overt relationship with being negative or overly positive and not getting to a core issue, which is maybe needing to feel our pain and our emotions or needing to actually feel a sense of optimism so that you can go forward into the unknown, uh, which gets into the topic I think I want to talk about a little bit more in depth here. Uh, so now that you have a sense of what it is that I offer personally, send me a message if that clicks with you and that's something you want to get started on. Um, I want to talk about fear, blame, shame, and guilt. I think these are four areas. Four, 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 four yes, four areas <laughs> that um, I think are really important focus points for us to be aware of and calibrate. Like, what are we afraid of? What are we casting blame around? What are we feeling shame or creating shame around? And what are we feeling guilt or creating guilt around, right? There's this internal external relationship, this in and out relationship with, I think all four of those fear, blame, shame, and guilt. And I think fear, fear is, is probably the most visceral and obvious for most people. You know, fear is often future based and it's often about the unknown. It's about our imagination. It's trying to discern what's coming. It's trying to figure out and have varying degrees of certainty about what's coming. You know, some people are more comfortable with uncertainty. Some are very much less comfortable with uncertainty. Uh, and, and you think about the obvious things, you know, being afraid of the dark. When you're a kid, you, uh, when you're on your bed, you don't know what's under your bed, right? Even though maybe you've looked under there and you know that there's things under there, when you're in the dark in a different context, you just don't have the theory of mind or you don't have the, uh, you don't have the mental capacity, the, the person perspective to trust and know that there's literally physically could not be anything under the bed. Uh, but your imagination run wi runs wild. And throughout our own human development, our imagination runs wild for various reasons all the time. You know, some of the latest big picture things we see is like climate change. That's a big esoteric thing. Like there are physical, tangible provings to various aspects of it, but it's also something that the holistic network of it all is really difficult for the mind to grasp, right? Uh, the same thing with like money and like blaming of billionaires, for example, for the world's problems. It's really difficult for our individual mind to understand and grasp the various 
specific systems of the world that are happening, right? We can have a sense of maybe what other people are doing or have a sense of um, uh, disparate ideas, but it is a challenge to really fully know the scope and context of what's going on. There are limitations in what we can know, and so therefore what we don't know is potentially a, a scary thing because it could have uh, detrimental um, it could be detrimental to our survival right and that's ultimately what fear comes down to is like if we didn't fear our uh, uh, for our lives for continuing to be conscious and to be alive um, then we wouldn't have fear we would have no reason for fear uh, you know there are certain fears that come online at various developmental levels but um, fear is something that is an ever-evolving process along with our development and our understanding of ourselves and our consciousness. So fear is something that is, uh, it's complicated. You know, it's not as simple as just like uh, uh, eliminating the fear, right? <laughs> you know, there are some personality types in the Enneagram. Uh, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of that um, tries to ignore its fear and just push through. And, um, you know, the only way that you can you, you can't really ever eliminate fear, but you can have uh, more rational fears or you can have more um, appropriate fears. You know, I think uh, one of the challenges we're dealing with today also is just this awareness, which is, is both a perk and a challenge, is this awareness of the world's happenings, this awareness of seeing more and more images of war and terror and atrocities that go on around the world and uh, news stories and things about um, uh, uh, different laws and things like that, right, that affect people, that really do actually affect people. Um, and I say it's a feature and a bug because uh, ever since, like, the Vietnam War were the first time we were really seeing images of war more regularly on TV, like the, the average person, you know, you'd get letters and hear stories of war in like the civil war. And back in the day, um, we read things in history books and, and see imagery and paintings and things like that. But now we're seeing like high resolution, real time happenings. And through that, we are, uh, it's creating a certain type of fear that that could happen on our doorstep, but it also creates awareness of the realities of what's happening so that we as a collective consciousness can eventually make adjustments and figure out how to uh, care about that as a human organism and do something about that um, for better or worse. Like it's a, it's a whole back and forth challenge, right? And uh, the thing is that, like, even me talking about that stuff, it's it's big and it's it's esoteric, even though it's real in the moment that we see those things. If I'm laying in bed and I'm like imagining replaying those images or imagining what could be happening in the world right now while I'm laying in bed or while I'm eating ice cream or not, hopefully not doing both at the same time, um, <laughs> uh, while I'm imagining these things in my own mind. These are not real things that are happening that I'm actually aware of or real things that um, that are in my immediate sphere, right? That's not to promote ignorance, but that's to say that uh, presence is 
often an antidote to manufactured fear, right? And by manufactured, I mean... Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix exaggerated fear, right? It may not be, again, that those things aren't real, you know, but uh, the, the scope and scale of what's actually happening, like visceral fear of being that person in that situation, I would say is a much more valuable fear than someone who is abstractly fearful of what's happening on the other side of the world. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's not uh, admonishing fear, because you need fear to be brave to go forward. That's where bravery comes from. It's this idea that you you are aware of your fear and you go forward anyway. It's about courage, right? So some of the courage comes from, yes, there are these abstract fears and these actual things that are happening in the world. But how do we find the will and the strength to go forward anyway, right? Uh uh, that's person to pe person. I can't give you that answer because that's going to be based on you and your relationship to fear, right? So I know that like these videos or things that you see on the internet all the time where someone's trying to give you the answer to this sort of thing, I can't really give you the answer because it depends on your relationship to fear. And it's going to be a cop-out because it's the same thing with blame, shame, and guilt. It's all about your story, your relationship, your coding, your understanding, your thought process around fear, blame, shame, and guilt, right? So to move this along, you know, talking about uh, blame, you know, blame is another one of those things that I feel like is a lifetime to learn that blame doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> um, blame is just outsourcing responsibility. Blame is saying that, like, it wasn't me, somebody else did it, right? It's, it's simply put, right? Or I have no, I have no, nothing to do with that whatsoever uh and blaming someone or blaming something it's often blaming something right for our circumstances for our situation and um blame may not be necessarily uh completely false right blame might not be that uh what you're saying is untrue or you're making up stories or you're making up excuses that's not what i'm saying when i'm saying blame is a problem uh blame is a challenge because it can be something that tries to, again, devoid us of responsibility of our next steps for our life, for what we're doing next. It's like um, blame, blame can almost be a mechanism for saying, you need to atone for this. You need to fix this. You need to fix my life. You caused problems in my life. So you need to be the one to sacrifice yourself or you need to admonish yourself or you need to suffer or be punished or something that allows me to feel like I can go forward. And no matter what happens in the outside world, it's always about you and finding your way to find the way forward, whether that's changing your environment, changing your culture, changing uh, a perspective or uh, 
uh, finding your path through the situation, setting new boundaries, or whatever the case may be, right? If someone's hurt you, setting a boundary is valid, right? Uh, as opposed to trying to change their thinking, trying to change their ways, trying to change an entire culture to form around you, or to try to change an institution to form around you, or to try to change uh, uh, your partner so that they are catering to you uh, instead of, you know, finding a new balance point. And, and that's what I think is the tricky thing around blame. Blame can be often holding us back a lot more than we realize, right? Uh, and blame can feel good. Blame can feel like cathartic. Blame can feel like it's something that we have, uh, uh, like we can feel a vindication around it. We can get chemical hits around, you know, blaming someone because blaming someone almost feels like uh, finding the reason or finding a leverage point or finding a feeling that matches something. It's like putting two blocks together and it's like, oh, this this matches this. And so there's a certain kind of chemical excitement that comes from being able to blame someone and say like, oh, it was my parents. Oh, it was their generation. Oh, it was the corporate thing. Or it was, you know, uh, this political leader. Or it was uh, my ex-wife or my ex-husband or my current partner or my kids or whoever, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like it can. there's a chemical hit and kind of an excitement of being able to say, oh, I know what it is, <laughs> even though uh, that can be true in terms of what it is. Now, the action still falls on you of what the next step is. So it's assumed that the blame or or diagnosing like the external thing means that your life is suddenly going to get easier or that if you're beating up on that person and blaming on blaming them or shaming them that you know suddenly it starts to fix things and blame usually does lead to shame you know uh it's it's shame is is kind of a an emotional tool it's it's sort of a way of getting someone off of their rhythm and uh shame can be a way of um you know ostracizing someone culturally or it can make someone feel trying to make someone feel a certain feeling right and uh, in a way, it's like trying to rob someone of their sovereignty uh, uh, so that they can course correct, uh, you know, based on your perception of what they need to course correct. Right. So, you know, shame, shame is interesting because shame has some <laughs> some interesting uh, uh, evolutionary validity. Right. If there's someone who is like a child predator in the neighborhood, like shaming them is a valid way of like outcasting them, right? It's a way of like everyone in the neighborhood knowing about their tendencies and their behaviors and, you know, eliminating the threat, so to speak. Uh, so that's a very kind of ancient uh, method of doing that, that we still very much carry today. The idea of canceling, which, you know, I, I haven't really heard talked about in a little while, but it was a really hot topic for a little bit of time there that, um, it was like this kind of social shaming casting out based on uh, behaviors that are no longer becoming uh, sweepable under the rug <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, the collective consciousness. So, you know, shame has its power, but shame can also be abused. Shame can be something that a single person decides that this is not acceptable and it becomes 
something again related to like abstract ideas versus something someone actually did or something that's provable or something that whatever and it becomes something that uh, becomes a weapon it becomes something that just like any weapon can be used to um, or any tool I should say that can be used to weaponize or to build right so shame believe it or not can be a tool to build uh, and make sure that we kind of build antibodies to systems to collectives um, but also uh, shame on an individual level can very much keep us from feeling like we can move forward we can feel shame for something that is totally fine uh, on a cultural level or for ourselves in terms of of getting in the way of self-acceptance and getting to a place where you know we really feel like we're um like we felt like we were a bad person because someone shamed us and and it could be just for like the way that we think relative to maybe how our parents thought you know that's where like kind of the personality type stuff comes in a little bit you have a parent that thinks a certain way and then the child thinks a different way they're at opposition with each other or they don't understand each other or one is completely unknown to the other one is like manipulatable where the other one isn't not only just in the parent-child dynamic but you could certainly have that in a, a, a same age relationship where there's uh, a certain way of thinking that the other person just doesn't have attunement to and uh, makes them susceptible to that area of thinking and and, and in that um, you know can if you're if you're someone who's very willing and desires to connect with that person you can very much uh, try to mold yourself to that person it makes more obvious sense with a parent-child relationship the child is going to abandon themselves to satisfy the needs of the parents because they are dependent on the parent and uh, so that carries on to our adulthood for a lot of us and we're often unraveling you know these shame spirals that we can get into around our way of thinking or way of being uh or maybe like over the course of our lives like a couple of acts that we committed that are uh that are reasonably forgivable and things that we actually all kind of uh various people do go through and uh shame is shame is often healed by getting a sense that like i'm not the only one person that's ever felt this or done this and uh there are other people who have worked through it and getting a sense that like i'm i'm not this like heathen right <laughs> just a person and i make mistakes and there's a self-acceptance that comes from that and then being able to own and accept who i am or who we are and then make that adjustment to um to start to embody and live you know by our own uh, live and die by our own sword, so to speak. <laughs> uh, and then the last one to, to kind of bring this home, because this is getting a little long, but it's about uh, guilt. And uh, guilt can come as a result of shame or being shamed, and usually maybe some actions we've taken, uh, or a way that we previously used to think relative to how we're thinking now. This happens for a lot of people when they get into a religion. Uh, if you get into a religion at a young age, it's like... Um, you know, it could be just having been a reckless teenager and then you sort of now become civilized, quote unquote, and are a person that uh, is starting to atone for those behaviors. 
And there's a lot of guilt that comes from that. Again, it's very similar to shame. Guilt can have an actually, um, there's a healthy mechanism to it because it, it sort of focuses in that sort of independent childhood recklessness into contribution into society. That's how civilizations are built uh, at a larger scale. If everyone has this voice in their head, whether that's God or uh, society's voice in some sort of way, like whatever the written rules of society are, the unwritten rules also, you know, we abide by those by self-reinforcing through guilt. You know, so that guilt keeps us in line for a period of time. The challenge then becomes unraveling that guilt when we no longer need it. You know, we do need it at some point. If you were a drug addicted person or you're dealing with some sort of uh, uncontrollable whatever, and then you needed to be sort of honed in, then you go through later stages of life where you're like, I actually, like guilt is becoming an impediment to my growth now. I keep feeling guilty about things that are not relevant to me anymore. I keep feeling guilty about uh, asserting myself. I keep feeling guilty about expressing myself. I'm feeling guilty about having a person with like sexual urges or a person that uh, desires a certain level of uh, personal commitment. Or maybe it's a relationship to money. It's like, actually, I like making money. I like owning a business. I like whatever. And uh, what you went through discouraged that. And so you need to, you know, re repair your relationship with, with money. You know, that might be a letting go of guilt kind of relationship. I have an interesting relationship with guilt personally, because I feel like I repressed a lot of it. Uh, I feel like guilt became an unconscious thing for me where, uh, I just allowed myself to do a lot of things that, uh, I could easily just talk myself into allowing myself to, uh, not feel guilty. And so guilt has been more of a recent thing that I'm processing more. I'm writing in my journal and I'm, I'm expressing guilt. And the thing is when you feel guilt and, uh, have done something that you feel like you need to be forgiven for or atone for in some sort of way, it doesn't necessarily have to be about this sort of uh, movie, like sit down with a person and confessing everything and, uh, getting forgiveness from another person because you can continue to try to get forgiveness from other people and it doesn't really matter until you forgive yourself and uh, forgiving yourself is another form of acceptance and uh, that's part of this whole you know process um, you could say that fear blame shame and guilt are kind of a process but it's really an ongoing check-in of how where are where am I at with these various you know topics what am I what am I thinking about you know, who am I blaming? What am I afraid of? Who am I shaming or who is shaming me? What do I feel shameful about? And what do I feel guilty about? And who am I um, trying to make others feel guilty about? You know, my, my, my children or uh, my parents, you know, a lot of people my age are really trying to make our parents feel guilty about the way that they grew up or the way that they raised us or the way that they, uh, the, the education system or anything like that. There's a lot of blame, shame, guilt, and fear that all comes through this package of abstraction that is keeping us, you know, disconnected. It's making us feel lonely. It's making us feel like we're not, uh, all of this imagining is, is making us feel like we actually know people and we, and we don't, that includes ourselves. We like, we don't really fully know ourselves because these, these elements are kind of in our way. 
you know, and so if we're willing to get to know ourselves, then I think we're willing to start to get to know people and get to know what their actual experiences are, not our made up assumptive beliefs about them that, you know, for, for example, for me, it's like, if I say things like, you know, uh, I don't think the world is broken. I don't think that, uh, uh, climate change is going to be as severe as like people's imaginings are. It's not going to be this like world on fire kind of thing, but there will be absolutely changes. Um, and I don't think we should be blaming our parents for our problems. Like, and I can go on a list of all of the things and, uh, you know, I get accused of being a, a certain political party or I get accused of, of having a certain type of thinking or someone in their mind puts me in a box right? And that's the thing. We're already putting ourselves in boxes. We're putting other people in boxes. And by making all of these assumptions all the time, we're feeling lonely. We're feeling disconnected. We're not, we're, we're making ourselves stuck. And so many people are feeling stuck and you feel this restlessness in the world. You know, you see it big picture with literally armies trying to move to different parts of the world to try to create a better situation for themselves by being dissatisfied. Uh, to, uh, the, again, the abstractions of, of how we're feeling kind of politically and how we want the world to be versus where we are now. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's so many assumptions going on, which is all based on fear, and it's all based on trying to define a, a, a purpose for ourselves. Um, because for a lot of us, it's not as obvious as it used to be. So, you know, that's part of what I hope I can offer you because I can't do anything about the big picture world stuff. I, I don't, I don't have that capacity, but if you're listening and this is interesting to you and you're like, Oh, I have this specific situation that kind of resonates, but I don't have an exact answer. Maybe you can help me send me a message. Let's talk again. One of two avenues, we can do the personality profiling session and we can get a little bit more literal using personality type language. And I can help you with that using the codified language, or we can just do um, and then we can do a diagnostic session or we can just do the diagnostic session where we can like, you can tell me your story. You can tell me what's going on and, uh, we can try to suss out, um, you know, some, some tweaks of, uh, perspective or values or, uh, direction, uh, sense of purpose, uh, or even gratitude and, uh, practices and connection to ourselves and the moments that can make things way better for ourselves. So, uh, I appreciate you for listening. I'm C-Note. Just send me a message if you're interested, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. See ya.